If you're able to remain standing for just a bit longer, then uh, either way, let's take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we want to this morning read the first four, four, 14 verses of John 14. These are God's words for us this morning. And uh, here's what God says. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, uh, would I have told you uh, that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you there to myself, that where I am you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, uh, you would have known my Father also. From now on, uh, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me um, uh, does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word, for there is no word like your word. Your word is settled forever in the heavens. And that we might have your word, this perfect treasure for us. We would pray now as we spend the next few moments looking at what we've just read, that your very spirit would be at work in our midst, in our hearts. That you would change us through your word, by your spirit. For we ask this in Christ's name. 
Of course, the first thing I would draw our attention to is the very first words there in verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Now, that implies something. Jesus is aware that their hearts are troubled. Jesus is talking to his very unsettled followers. They are extremely troubled in their hearts. Now, one of the reasons why is he's just said to them in the previous chapter, where I am going, you cannot come. In other words, I'm leaving and you can't follow me. What? Their leader is leaving. It it would appear as though at this moment, their whole world as they understood it is collapsing. And so their hearts are troubled. Rightly so. Jesus has a word for any and all of his people who even this morning gather here with troubled hearts. It's been a crazy year, hasn't it? <laughs> and uh, would I remind you that technically we're not even halfway through the year yet. We, we started out uh, the year with COVID. And then uh, as COVID uh, started waning, uh, then protests started increasing. As, as protests started increasing and waning, then, then the COVID... And, and then this weekend, we, we have a Sahara desert plume flying overhead, which, and then you know this is coming. I read this morning where, and, and that's supposed to increase COVID. They're like, well, sure it is. Why not? Sign me up. I'll take two. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say not to, not to be Mr. Funny Guy, but it's just like, really? Can, what, what else um, could happen? I, I suppose what could happen is when we go up to Wyoming in two weeks, that, that the, 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 the volcano up there will erupt. Uh, you know, they're waiting for it to erupt at any moment, and I guess it'll just happen when we get there. I don't know, but there's a lot to be troubled about. And Jesus speaks to both his followers here on the eve of his arrest and crucifixion and death, and he, he speaks to his followers this morning, today, the same word. Whatever your troubles are, whatever our troubles are, whatever is troubling our hearts, Jesus says to us this morning, do not be troubled in your hearts. Now, that may sound strange. I mean, what do you say to someone whose, heart's, whose heart is troubled? It may even sound unloving to say to someone who's troubled in their hearts, don't be troubled in your heart. Jesus has said that. He said it here in verse 1. And, and I would remind you by the time we're, uh, I, would, I, would, I would point out to you that by the time we're done with this same chapter, he will say it again in verse 27. Twice he will tell his troubled followers to not be troubled. And what's so interesting is we just saw in verse 21 of the previous chapter uh, that Jesus himself, his heart was troubled. Same, same description, same phrase, word, really. Say, well, wait a minute, hold on. Is, is, 
Is Jesus not practicing what he's preaching? No, it's a, it's, while it's the same kind of troubled heart, it's for an entirely different reason. In chapter 13, he, he, his heart was troubled because he wanted to, to bear up under the burden of his people's troubles. And so in that sense, that's why he could now say to us in this chapter, don't you be troubled, let me be troubled for you. But it does more in this chapter, both in the verses that we've just read and before we're done with this chapter. He does more than just say to us who have troubled hearts, don't be troubled in your heart. He gives some explanation, some reason. And I want to look at those just ever briefly this morning. In fact, I I have the two points listed in your bulletin. Uh, Worry is not warranted because of the work that Jesus is undertaking at the Father's residence. And, and point two, uh, worry is not warranted because of the way that Jesus is united to the Father in relationship. But, you know, uh, that, that's, just a, that's just a really cumbersome wordy, a wording of two points. And so I just, I'll say the two points like this. We, we do not have to have troubled hearts because, A, the first point, Jesus wants to tell us what he's up to. And then B, we don't have to have troubled hearts because uh, Jesus wants to explain exactly who he is. And, and that's what's really said in, these, in verses 2 through 14 with a little, verses 12, 13, and 14 have a little uh, appendix at the end there which we'll touch on briefly before, before we're done. So, but, for, but first of all, Jesus says, don't be troubled because I tell you what, I, I've, I've got you covered I've got a future for you. You may not know this, although you may instinctively intuit this and feel this, but do, do, you, do you realize how, how crucial it is that you and I have a hope in reference to the future? Whatever troubles that you are going through in the moment, if, if, you, if you add to that trouble uh, 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 in a erasure of any sort of future hope, then you will not be able to function in your current troubles. But whatever your troubles are at the present moment, if you have a sense of future hope, then you will be able to last and endure and maybe even um, prosper in the present troubles. God has made us to be future-oriented people. It, he's wired us that way. We, 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 we live and thrive off of a sense of hope and future. I've been listening to um, one of David McCullough. He's a historian. One of his uh, books on tape this week. Um, uh, it, it's one of his newer books. Not one of his better books, but he's... He's written a whole bunch, and, but this one's called The Pioneers, it's, and it's about westward expansion in the early uh, part of, uh, of, our, of our own nation, when there was just 13 colonies, and it was speaking of westward expansion, and I, I was struck by that at first, because when I think of westward expansion, I think of post-Louisiana Purchase and out west and all that, but it was talking about the westward expansion into what we now know as the Northwest Territory, uh, states of Ohio and Indiana. I mean, at one point, that was west. At one point, that... And uh, it was interesting how, how people were, were being offered a hope and a future if they would just move west. 
and, and, and the stuff that they endured, the trials and the, and the threats and the difficulties, uh, and, and yet what fueled them to endure those difficulties was that they had a hope and a future. That's what Jesus is explaining to his disciples. While I'm le- he's, he says, well, in this context, he's saying, while I'm leaving for the time being, and you can't come immediately where I am going, let me explain what's occurring in the interim. I am preparing your future. And he says in verse 2, in my Father's house are many Rooms. He's describing the Father's residency. Uh, and, and, and what he is describing here is that, is that the hope and the future that, that, that God's people get to grab a hold of and live in this present moment in light of is the future that we have a destination in the presence of the Father and His Son, Jesus. And, and what Jesus is going to be doing as He steps out for a little bit is He's going to be working things out and making the preparations so that when everything is exactly the way he wants it to be, then he will come back and there we will be with Jesus, with the Father, in the Father's house, in the presence of the Son. You see, that's the the destiny, that's the hope, that's the future that any and all have who even this morning are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, believe in God, believe in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. There's there's enough room for each and every one of us to dwell there. Now, there's still a lot that you and I do not know about the eternal state. The song that we just sang, the talked about, uh, one of the songs we just sang, talked about streets of gold. And we certainly find that sort of imagery in the scriptures. But I would remind you that what makes the eternal state so sweet and beautiful and comforting to our hearts is not that there will be streets of gold, while I'm not opposed to that, and the scriptures affirm that. What makes the eternal state so sweet and satisfying and beautiful is that that is where we will live with our God, our Creator, our Maker. That, that's why you and I were ever made in the first place, as an overflow of the fountain of God's love. Not, not because He needed anything, but because He had more than He knew what to do with. He created you and I and everything in this universe for the purpose that we might live in the presence of His love, the love that is his, existed for all eternity between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And an overflow of that loving relationship now, now, now comes to people like us. And the eternal state is where we will be caught up in the love relationship between the triune Godhead. That's what will make our hearts happy. Because the happy love of an eternal true God will bring us into his presence. And whether there are streets of gold or not, and there are, that will not be the big issue. We will see Jesus face to face. 
we will dwell in the presence of our God unabated directly and we will be satisfied. Do you realize that, that is our future. That, that's what he's describing to his troubled followers at this moment and that's what he's saying to you and I at this moment. And yet, this sort of truth has fallen on hard times. What sort of truth? The truth that at this present moment, we wait with eager longing for the revealing of the Son of God. In other words, all that is reserved for us in the eternal state has not yet been fully implemented we wait. It is still a future. It is, it, is, it is in the category of the hope that we wait for. And sadly, such a notion of hope and waiting for this beautiful reality somewhere down the road is, is treated with disdain and even mocked and ridiculed. Sadly, even within the church of Jesus Christ, several years ago, we, we started getting embarrassed about the notion of hell, and we stopped talking about hell, and I think we're even, we're even sort of embarrassed now about heaven and the notion of heaven, and so we, we stopped talking about that. We say, we're living right here, right now. Don't, don't, don't tell me about the future. I, I, I want to know what i got to do to make things the way I want them right now. Well, you and I can't alter the the teachings of the Scripture. We can ignore them if we choose to, to our own demise. We can't, we can't dismiss them. They are eternally true. And what God says to us right here this morning, no matter how troubled this world is in its present state, no matter how troubled our hearts are as we live in this troubled world in this present state, we are called to be a people who believe in God and believe in His Son, and we wait for the world that he is going to implement in his timing and in his wisdom. We wait. Now, I say this not to pick on any system of thought or any group of people, um, but uh, there is an uptick of what is known as Marxism today in our culture. Uh, and um, I would just point out a couple of things about Marxism. Marxism believes that religion is the opium of the people. In other words, it's just a, it's just a ridiculous belief that keeps people under their current state of oppression and, 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 and causes them to give excuses as to why they don't overthrow their present state of oppression, waiting for some pie-in-the-sky kind of thing. Uh, Marxism uh, ridicules that and rejects that. In fact, Marxism says that the first thing that has to go for us to bring about a utopia in society here on this earth is religion has to go. And really what a Marxist philosophy is trying to do is it's trying to take the, the, the future categories of, you, of, of, of living in a happy state and it's trying to hang on to those categories and yet it's trying to reject the very God who offers those categories. 
and it's trying to say we have another way of bringing about an eternal state. We have another way. We will do it with our own might, our own muscle, our own power. I point that out. Not Look, I'm just too little and too scrawny, and now I'm getting too old to pick a fight with anybody on the one hand. I mean, I could get whipped by anybody this morning. So uh, Joyce Reppy could whip me. I mean, who knows? you know, it's just, it's just, it's just easy, you know. But so I, I don't pick a fight with anybody. I just, but I point out before you and I get snookered in, into alternative hopes and alternative arrangements for the future, it would be best to stay with what the Father has promised through the language of His Son. And we gathered this morning, and we wait for a world that we can't even fully imagine. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has reserved for those who love Him. And we gather to express a bit of love toward Him and worship for Him this morning because we are confident that everything He's told us about the eternal state is true, and it will come at His own doing. He... Not you and I, not our might, not our power, not our muscle. He is the one who will arrange the future. You say, well, who is he to think he could be talking like that? Well, so I've talked to you a little bit about what he's up to. And now we talked to you a little bit about, and in, in primarily in verses 7 and following, about who he is. And really, the arrangement begins by Thomas saying, uh, I, we don't know the way. What's the way? And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father. No, no, one's, no one gets in the Father's house except through me. Now, again, th- th- that, that, makes us, that, that, that makes us look um, like we're kind of bragging upon ourselves at that moment, that we somehow think we're better than somebody else because we say we, we've got the inside track to, to the Father's house. It, it's not. It's Jesus saying he's got the inside track to the Father's house. We've been graciously invited into the Father's house through Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And when we see Jesus for who he is and what he is, we gladly say, I'll go his way. I'll go that way. I'm following him. I trust him. Because there's no other way to the Father's house except through Jesus. That doesn't make me better, but it makes Jesus infinitely better. And, and, then, and then Philip says, well, uh, um, Lord, show us the Father, verse 8. And if you just show us the Father, that's, that's enough. It's enough. We'll, we'll be good. We'll, we'll believe everything you say. And Jesus says, how long have I been with you? And, and John has made this. All throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus has, has linked himself with the Father. Basically, he says, you know, you want to see what the Father's like? Look over here. You want to know what the Father is about? Listen to me. And, and, and what he specifies for us in these verses that follow is, is that there is a union between Jesus the Son and God the Father that, 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 that is an essential unity, that, that they are two separate people. There's the Father and there's the Son, but, but I am in the Father and the Father is in me and, 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 and we are one, which introduces us to this reality that our God, our one God, is, is a community of persons, Father, Son, and before we're done with chapter 14, Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why, 
why, why, why would we believe in what Jesus says about our hope and our future? And why not some other alternative worldview or philosophy or teachings? Why? Because Jesus is not just somebody that's come down to speak on behalf of the Father. Jesus is one with the Father. There is a uniqueness about Jesus that no one else can lay claim to. So I I put it to us like this then. It's just really simple. Will you and I, this morning, this day, this week, will we entrust our future to Jesus and trust that when he's done preparing a place for us, he will come back and take us there and there we will be. And will we trust him with our future because he and the Father are one? Does this, does, does entrusting ourselves to Jesus and to the future that he has for us, does that reality calm our hearts? Remember, that's how we got started. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. We ask ourselves, this, this day, as crazy as this world has been, uh, this year has been, and who knows however crazier it will get, will, can we gather this morning and be a people at peace? Because we know that when the future does arrive, on time as Jesus and the Father have scheduled it to arrive, he will write every account. He will implement all righteousness. He will subdue and judge all unrighteousness. He will, do you this morning believe that he will in fact bring heaven here on this earth in a new heavens and new earth in a place that he describes in Revelation as there will be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more tears? A place of eternal joy and happiness? Can your heart be okay this morning with that sure promise, even though all of it isn't fully arrived and implemented yet? Or will you need to use a little muscle to get things the way you want them, right here, right now? He'll say before this chapter is, is over, even though he's leaving, even though he's leaving, he says, at peace, I leave with you. Do you realize this week how vital it will be for you and I in the midst of all of the chaos and craziness and troubles for you and I to mark off time this week to meditate and to contemplate eternity. To reflect upon that place that the Father has prepared for us. That place that when He has prepared it the way He wants, He's going to come back for us. For insofar as we think about and mull over and marinate in our hearts and minds the, re, the future reality that's promised us in Christ Jesus, 
is insofar as we will be able to have hearts that are not troubled, to have hearts that are at peace in an otherwise chaotic and crazy place. And then, quickly, I'll point out a couple of things that he's saying at the very end. Verse, I'll start at verse 11. Again, verse 11 is kind of a reiteration of what he said in verses 1 and 2, where he says, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. I think that's a reference to, you guys have been following me for about three years now. You guys have seen the things that I've done. So if you don't just take my word for it that I am the Father, I am in the Father and the Father is, is in me, would you go back and in your mind rehearse the things that I have done? And then, but, and then in verse 12 and 13, he says something that's just astonishing, though. It's just like, what's up? And I, and I point out what he says in verses 12, 12, 13, and 14, because even though you and I do not bring about the future with our muscle, you and I wait for a future eternal state that God will bring down in his time. While we rest in that, we are not to be a lazy people who are passive in the meantime. For he says in verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works will he do because I am going to the Father. That's the, that's the first astonishing thing is. It's just like, I don't know if you've ever read the gospel before, Gospels before, but Jesus did some pretty incredible works. And, and now in some way he said, and now those who are my followers who believe in me, guess what? I'm, in, in me going back to the Father, that will enable you to even do greater works. Uh, I still don't know how to fully comprehend how it is that we will do greater works than Jesus. Does he mean more works? Does he mean a better quality of works? And I don't think that's really the point. I, I, I think the point he's trying to make is, is well, it, it'd be like if I was like a, a world champion jerk and lift uh, weightlifter, you know. I mean, I had muscles coming out to yin-yang. And, and, and this morning, we were going to do like a power team thing, you know, where I was going to grab 500 and something pounds and clean and jerk it and throw it up in the air. But, but I'm a bodybuilder. I mean, that would be a great thing. But, but say it's me this morning. <laughs> Not the big bodybuilder, but, you know, this guy. And, and, and this morning, I'm going to show you how I'm going to clean and jerk 500 and something pounds and throw it over my head. <laughs> There's a sense in which it's the same 500 and something pounds. But for me to do that 500-something pounds, now that's a greater work. For you and I to do the same kinds of things that Jesus consistently did while he was here on this earth. For you and I to do those same kinds of things, those are greater things because look at from which we are starting. We're starting with people like me and you, and, and we're doing the things that Jesus did. Well, what are these things? Well, I'll just collapse it quickly. I would suggest to you that what marked Jesus' life was works of compassion and works of righteousness. That's the quick and skinny of it. 
And he's saying that but if, you, if you take note of the works of compassion and the works of righteousness that I have done all throughout my life, those testify to who I am in, re- in reference to the Father, in relationship to the Father. And now he's saying that, that while you and I wait for the eternal state, what are you and I to be doing? Not just sitting around waiting for the eternal state, but you and I are to be doing the same kinds of works of compassion and works of righteousness that Jesus did while he was here on this earth. He's now gone to the Father, and we'll see before this chapter is over, he's sending his spirit to indwell us so that we now, too, also can do works of compassion and works of righteousness. Works of compassion and works of righteousness. Let me be clear on this. Not so that we be the people who change the world. Remember, I referenced that last week. But so that we be the people who could give faithful testimony that we believe in the Father and we believe in the Son. We believe we've gone all in on a future hope that Jesus has promised us. And we so believe that, that now we want to reflect the very nature and character of Jesus right here, right now. By we want to be able to, to it be known of us, we who profess the name of Jesus, that would be known of us that there is a corresponding likeness to Jesus. And that corresponds because of how we live, how we talk, how we relate, how we emote, how we function. That there would be an ever-increasing characterization in our lives noted by compassion and righteousness. And it's in that, you say, well, I still don't know if I could do that. It's in that context, he says, so ask me. See, this, this passage here in verse 13 and 14, what, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. This is, this is not simply, I wonder how I can get a new car out of this. This is, this is Jesus in the context saying, I'm leaving, I'm going to indwell you with my spirit, and you will do greater works than I did. Ask me for those greater works. Ask me. Ask me to stir in your hearts so that you will be a person who lives out compassion and righteousness in the meantime. So if Jesus doesn't return this week, we are to not be a people who just sit around and wait for that to happen. Should Jesus not return this week, May our week be marked by words and actions of compassion and righteousness so that we testify to the truth of what the Father has promised us in the future. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how your word is true in every way. Thank you, Father, that you give us not only the directions, but the enablement to live a life of compassion and righteousness. Father, we pray even this morning that, as you said through James, may our lives be marked by wisdom from above, wisdom that is pure and peaceable 
and gentle and open to reason and full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Father, may, may we who believe in Jesus give testimony to that by how we live this week. For we pray this in Christ's name.